The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 157th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. But today I'm going to begin with uh, my event of the week that I attended, which was the All-American Conference Media Days down in Newport, Rhode Island. It's uh, my third year in a row attending, and it was just spectacular. And for the first time this year, I was able to make the Monday night clam bake. The media day itself is Tuesday. And it was, uh, frankly, as good as it gets. I would put it up against any media day uh, in America, (laughs) given the setting. Uh, Looking out at uh, the bay in Newport, which is one of the most beautiful cities uh, in America, especially in the summer, and looking at the bridge leading into Newport, all this, the boats and whatnot, uh, was spectacular, and the clam bake itself was simply the best clam bake I've ever seen, where they uh, basically called everybody over to unveil the lobsters and whatnot and the entire clam bake, corn, potatoes, what have you, and uh, quite the presentation and quite the setting. And just quite the event, uh, getting down to more important facts beyond food and scenery. The American Athletic Conference is going to be a player this year. Under Commissioner Mike Oresco, it is making just uh, huge leaps forward, to put it mildly, as was reflected in two days at Media Day. The teams now include, uh, now keep in mind, this was basically the former Big East uh, I'm an East Coast guy. This is what I've grown up with all my life in the Northeast. Uh, but it's expanded nationally. So as of today, the American Athletic Conference is uh, UConn. 
uh, quite an anchor team, certainly when it comes to, to basketball. That's just an aside because this was football media's day. But there's UConn, of course, University of Central Florida last year on the national stage with, of course, quarterback Blake Bortles, first quarterback picked in the uh, NFL draft. University of Cincinnati, East Carolina, new addition. The Pirates, uh, uh, mid-major, if you will, football style, plays the big boys and pulls an upset at least every couple years. They're now part of the American Athletic Conference. Houston, the Cougars are part of it, as is fellow Texas team SMU and coach June Jones sat in on his press conference. He, he was entertaining as always, quarterback guru. Uh, additionally, we have Memphis uh, now in the American Athletic Conference. University of South Florida, Temple. Tulane has joined. Tulsa also is in. So that covers a lot of territory. And there's a lot of good football in there, a lot of tradition. Uh, so I think it is going to be a tremendous year to follow the American and Athletic Conference. As all you listeners know, I was at the UConn-Michigan game at Rensselaer Field in uh, Hartford last year. One of the best events, uh, sports events I attended all year. And I think there's just much more of that to come. UConn, for instance, is beginning the season. In the first three weeks of the season, they host Brigham Young and Boise State. So pretty impressive. And I just think it's going to be tremendous to watch. And it was just, again, a pleasure to attend and really... Get a look at all these programs, all these coaches, uh, and just frankly be there at what feels like uh, the early stages of, uh, you know, what is in effect a new league. Uh, very exciting times. You could feel the energy, and I loved it. Again, just very impressive on Tuesday morning with all the. Uh, coaches talking, each team brought three or so players with them who all spoke to the media, very open, great facility, tremendous setting, as I mentioned earlier, and just really uh, uh, as good a two days as I think you could ever hope for out of a media day. And, uh, you know, many of them are in big cities, what have you, uh, be it Chicago, L.A., for these conference media days. Uh even Birmingham for the SEC, but there's something about unique about having this in uh, in Newport, Rhode Island, which again is a, a special place to put it mildly. So we'll have more to come in the second segment when AP Stedham joins us, and we'll have a, a, a surprise for all you listeners too. So you want to stick around for that uh, in just about five minutes. But let me get to uh, some of my other. Typical week's entries, which are my highlight of the week, was the baseball trade deadline. Uh, It was great. It was yesterday. It was uh, just what you want to see out of like a, a, quote, deadline day, 4 p.m. for baseball trades to be complete. I was in the epicenter city of it all up here in Boston, of course. 
it's always about Boston, as they say, and yesterday was yet another uh, <laughs> another example of that. Um, but it was great, lots of big names moving. It was really a breathless pace throughout the day. Uh, you know, the writers are writing in today's papers here in Boston. It's one of the most historic days in the history of the Boston Red Sox. That's a bold statement. There's been a lot of history with this team, uh, good and bad, uh, and... But it was. It, it was. It was a day that we'll all remember for a long, long time. But, you know, Johnny Lester, John, and John Lester and Johnny Gomes being traded for Oakland's Cespedes, he of the rocket arm and home run derby king. John Lackey being traded for Alan Craig. Uh, seems like every time I watch Alan Craig come to the plate in the postseason, which is often uh, when he was with the Cardinals, he got a big hit. So, David Price involved in a three-team trade uh, with the with Seattle and the Detroit Tigers. David Price now a Tiger, but then what I really enjoyed was where Austin Jackson from the Tigers, who's going, I believe, to the Mariners, um, was literally pulled off the field after the trade was announced to a rousing ovation in. Uh, Rousing ovation in Tiger uh, Stadium and Comerica Park, and it was just great theater. My low light of the week was the fact that the Red Sox disassembled the 2013 World Series champions. They'll forever be remembered as the t- number one, the successor to Chicken and Beer. Uh, and which was, you know, the last month of the 2011 season, the 2012 disaster with Bobby Valentine. Uh, then we have the Boston Marathon. This team takes that whole situation, if you will, on their back and, you know, uses, uses it as their rallying cry. And they turn into, you know, the Band of Brothers totally unexpectedly win the World Series championship. And, uh, you know, so, so it was just kind of sad. What's not sad is the, the, the chicken and beer, the guys are all gone now. Lester and Lackey were the holdovers along with Josh Beckett. Uh, they're all gone now. So I think we can say goodbye to the chicken and beer Red Sox once and for all. But there's just a certain sadness, if you will, uh, with the disassembling of... The Band of Brothers. They, they were, what they did last year was special. No other way to say it. And my bizarre story of the week was just, uh, to follow on that thought, was just the reaction of the Boston fans and media. I've been up here a while. I have never seen such a split right down the middle of people for what they did yesterday and people against what they did yesterday. I myself am conflicted. Uh, as you just heard, you, you know, I'm a little sad to see the... <laughs> the band of brothers no longer exist. Uh, basically, the, the Red Sox version, and uh, you know. Yet, in the same light, uh, they got back more than I think anybody was hoping for. Everybody thought they were just going to get rid of John Lester, and you know they've now gotten rid of four fifths of their pitching staff. Eleven players from last year's championship team are no longer with the team. Uh, four fifths of their starting rotation—that's astounding. But the players they got back, power hitters, 
great, excellent hitters, you know, far exceeded what was really the uh, pervasive thought up here that they were just going to get prospects and this was really just going to be uh, ugly. It wasn't ugly. There's a lot of reason to be excited about uh, who's coming who's coming to town, but you can't help but wonder all about the pitching staff. But with that pitching staff, they're in last place. So, again, the reaction absolutely all over the place from fans, media, pretty fascinating. Again, I've never seen it quite so divided and split. There's so many different ways of looking at it. Some people are happy. Some people are sad. Some people are mad. Uh, but as always, it's never dull. So with that said, it's time for our break and, uh, coming up on the other side will be our weekly call in expert, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners. Welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Doing just fine. That's good. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And uh, you and I were together at American Athletic Conference Media Days in Newport, Rhode Island, which I talked about in the... First segment to lead off the show, and you and I are going to talk about it further in uh, the final second in about uh, fi- final segment in about 
15 or so minutes, but in the meantime, uh, we have a treat for our listeners, which was Bill Hancock, the head of the new college football playoff system, uh, giving basically college football playoff 101 for all of us to once and for all understand right from the top. So here is a... uh, a nice soundbite, audio clip, if you will, lasts about uh, 15 minutes, right from Bill Hancock speaking on Tuesday morning in Newport, Rhode Island, on exactly what we can expect with the upcoming new college football playoff system. Here, I'd like to do a little bit of college football playoff 101, and then we'll conclude with an exercise to show you how the committee will operate during selection weekend. We just passed two important uh, legacy milestone dates. The first was June 26, which was the second anniversary of the creation of the playoff. June 26, 2012, in Washington, D.C. All ten conferences were there, represented by the presidents and commissioners, in order to create the college football playoff. And then July 12th was the six-month before the game, championship game date, milestone a real milestone for our staff and for all of us in college football. Uh, We're doing fine. We're doing great. We feel very good about where we are with the playoff. Um, Just have a few notes for you today. Um, Obviously, for the first time ever, college football playoff. How cool do those words sound together? Four teams, very simple. Fans get their bracket that they wanted. They get more football and uh, Obviously, the format is, is simple, two semifinals uh, leading to a championship game. We will have the best four teams in the games, in the game, semifinal games. No strings attached. That was an important part of creating the playoff. There would not be any strings attached, and it totally be the best four teams. We do believe it is the best of all worlds because it allows us to preserve the best regular season in sports most meaningful, the most compelling regular season is ours. You know, if you think about it, college football's identity is Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Not a big postseason tournament. And we're proud of that. And we had to keep that when we began the negotiation for the playoff. This event doesn't go too far, it just goes far enough. And we have four teams in the tournament under contract for 12 years among the conferences. Uh, We will be changing and going back to New Year's Eve and New Year's Day with our games. We will have back-to-back triple headers. It will be a real special event for all sports fans and certainly all of us in college football. It's a holiday on a holiday. And I suppose if we made a mistake in the BCS, it may have been spreading the games out on January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, etc. We thought we were doing the right thing by giving fans one special game to watch every night. But looking back on it, by those dates, the holidays were over, working people were back in, at work, kids were back at school, and we're going to, this will be better. Having three games New Year's Eve and three, three New Year's Day will be better. It's also terrific for us that we planted our flag on Monday night for the championship game. You know, BCS, the game could have been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Actually, there was some Thursday and even one Friday. But with the playoff, it will always be Monday night. And that will be preceded by a special weekend celebration for the game of college football. 
So we're very, very pleased with the Monday night date. I think this event will grow and grow and grow. I don't think the sports fans really understand how huge this college football playoff will become, in particular the championship. There is universal access. Every SBS every team has equal access to the playoff. There's no more automatic qualification. There is more revenue for everybody. Everyone in the FBS, everyone in college football will benefit from having this playoff. The event is managed by the conferences. It's not an NCAA event. It is managed by the 10 conferences. That's an important thing to remember. It's unique in that way. The organizational structure at the top includes a board of directors made up of representatives from every conference. And then down below them is what we call the management committee. That's the conference commissioners, Michael Resco and the others, who take care of the day-to-day -day operation. It's important to us to seek counsel from folks as we determine how to manage this and as we do manage it through the years. So we have representatives from coaches groups, football operations directors, athletic directors, um, and media. We're very close touch, touch with Steve Richardson, the FWAA, and the FWA officers. Because it's important to have this event be a top-notch event for the media. We do have a small staff in Dallas. There'll be 13 of us. Uh, operating out of an office in Las Colinas, uh, not far from the Big 12 office, not far from the uh, Conference USA office, and not far from the National Football Foundation. So if you're ever in Dallas with a few minutes to spare, please come by to see us. We'd love to show you the office, and we'd love to, we'd love to talk a little college football. We're very proud of our community outreach. We think it's important to do more than just football, and we created Extra Yard for Teachers, which we managed by a foundation operated through our office. You know, there's school teachers in this country who have to buy Crayolas for their students out of their own pockets. And we don't think that's right. And through the college football playoff, we're going to do every can, everything we can to help with that. So as you, as you see through the years and, and read through the, through the weeks and months about Extra Yard for Teachers, this is our give back to the community. Let's talk a minute about the selection committee. The committee's mission is, is to select the best four teams. And then they will rank them, season for the playoffs, and they'll also rank teams 1 through 25. As all of you know, there is a spot, an automatic spot in the Cotton Fiesta or Peach Bowl every year for the highest ranked champion from the five conferences that don't have New Year's contracts. Of course, the American being one of those. And the contention for that will be every bit as important, every bit as stressful for the committee as selecting the top four. When we put the committee together, every conference was invited to nominate members, and they all did. We acquired about 125 names from that. Then we began to look at, uh, created, then, we, then we created classifications of members. We wanted folks with experience as players, coaches, university administrators, journalists, and then sitting athletic directors. You know the members of the committee, their names are on the board. We filled all the classifications. We have tremendous regional diversity in the group, and they are an all-star team of people who love this game, smart people who care, smart people who are going to devote 
all the time necessary to put on an event like this. The, the committee, when looking at teams that are otherwise equal, will use four broad categories based on common sense. Strength of schedule, head-to-head, -head, common opponents, and whether the team won its championship. Those criteria will apply not only to selecting the top four for the playoff, but we will be uh, also be used to determine the highest ranked champion of the five conferences, again, to get that berth in the Cotton PSWR feature. The committee will put out rankings every week. The members will travel to Dallas for, for meetings uh, starting October 27th, and that will continue for six weeks. So they'll be flying into Dallas every Monday about midday. They'll be meeting all afternoon Monday, Monday evening, Tuesday morning. And then on Tuesday after Tuesday evening, we'll be putting out the committee's rankings. These will replace the BCS standings. You probably heard me say before, I believe very strongly in the BCS. I'm very proud of what I did for college football. In particular, an unintended good consequence of the BCS was what it did for the regular season. And the benefit of the BCS regular season came from these weekly standings. Because fans all across the country had to look and pay attention to games in other sections of the country to see how they would affect their team. And so we didn't, when the BCS went away, there would not be any more weekly BCS standings. We, we didn't want to give that territory up to someone else. And that's why we created the weekly rankings to be produced by the selection committee. That, in addition to the fact that we did not want the committee on selection weekend to just be dropping four teams out on people without fans having known during the season how their teams were ranking. We didn't want to surprise folks. So hence the weekly rankings. We have a voting system. Those of you who have been a part of the uh, NCAA basketball tournament uh, mock media session, or if you follow that tournament, you will recognize a lot of similarities between our voting and theirs. Our voting is not what we've had in, the college, in college football forever. It's not the old system of everybody bring in their top 25 and then let's average those to create our rankings. It's completely different. This system will involve a couple of dozen, maybe three dozen different ballots during the weekend. There will be a process of identifying a small group of teams that can be compared with each other and then voted into the rankings in groups of two or three. We think that ability to compare a small group of teams against each other on every possible level will, will be a tremendous advantage for this committee. It's certainly, as I said, something very new to college football. Uh, the next slide shows the back-to-back -back triple headers. This is this year's schedule, three games on New Year's Eve, and three on New Year's Day. And then next you have the rotation work, the three-year rotation of where the championship or the semifinals will be played. Rose and Sugar the first year, Cotton and Orange the second year, and Fiesta and Peaks the third year. And then this rotation continues over the 12 years, so that we'll have the same three-year schedule four times during the 12 years of the college football playoff. We did create a new trophy. We're very proud of the trophy. I'll tell you, I loved the crystal football. I thought it was a great symbol for college football. And yet, it's a new day, it's a new event, and this new event deserved its own trophy. So we've created that, and it's, it is a true work of art. Let's talk a little bit about the championship game. Some of you know that I was director of the Final Four for many years, and our site selection for this championship game is very similar to the procedure that we used to select Final Four sites. 
We have three selected already. First year courses in Dallas. Second year will be in Phoenix, and the first year will be in Kansas. This time next year, we'll be in the middle of selecting the next two or three sites for the championship games. This will be a tremendously competitive process. It has been a very competitive process. The cities buy for the opportunity to host this event, which will be the crown jewel of college football. We're giving you a bracket. We gave the fans a bracket. They've been wanting it for years. Now they have it. And here it is. My contact information is our last slide here. I just want to make sure you all write down the numbers, write down the email if you have any questions. But please don't hesitate to call or send an email. Scott is going to switch the, the slides now so we can get into the bracketing. What we're going to do here is you're going to pretend like you are the selection committee. And it is selection weekend. It's Sunday morning. You've got one more step to, to rank the teams. 1 through 25, and you've got one more step to achieve, and that is to put the teams in the games themselves. So this is the uh, hypothetical ranking for what we're going to use, what we would use to show this year, 2015. The semifinal games are in the Rose and Sugar Bowl. The pairings are Ohio State versus LSU and Florida versus Michigan. One of the things in this is that we will not put the number one seed at a competitive disadvantage vis-a-vis -vis the crowd. In other words, that team would stay as close to home as possible. They earned it. Through their play during the regular season, they were voted number one by the committee. They earned it. So we have an Ohio State LSU game, and of course the semifinal sites are Pasadena and New Orleans. Because LSU is number four, Ohio State's number one, Ohio State's earned the right not to have to play in front of an LSU crowd. So that game would be in Pasadena. So Scott, a.k.a. Ben White, back here. Scott, you want to wave at everybody so they can see you? Thank you. Uh, it has plugged in the, the, the names, and then that sends the Florida State-Michigan game to the Sugar Bowl. The next thing that would happen would be the Orange Bowl would select its teams. You know, they're on a separate contract. Their contract shows that both sides of their game are filled. They have the ACC champion playing against the highest ranked available teams from uh, the SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. So in this particular example, the ACC champion would be Louisville. So we'll plug them in there. And the highest ranked available team from the three groups is uh, Wisconsin. So we have Louisville-Wisconsin matchup in the Orange Bowl. In the example, the highest ranked champion of one of the conferences, the five conferences, is Central Florida, as you can see. Where's the best place for them to play? Now we have to fill the slots in the top of the Beach. Obviously, the Peach Bowl is there, the best trip for their fans. So we'll plug Central Florida into the Peach Bowl. Now we have five teams remaining under consideration. They will fill the other five slots. USC, Florida State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Baylor. USC is the highest ranked. We'll get the first look. The best site for them is yes, the closest place for their fans, easiest trip for their student athletes. So we'll plug them in there. Now what about FSU? They're next on the list. Their easiest trip would be the Peach Bowl, right? 
Look at this year in the Peach Bowl and see if it will hold up. Got an intriguing matchup there, obviously, between UCF and FSU. Now we have three slots available and the three teams to play are all Notre Dame and Baylor. One of the things about these games is that we will not have rematches. So Oklahoma and Baylor cannot meet. So therefore, Oklahoma, I believe, is the highest rank of this group. Their shortest trip will be to the Cotton Bowl. We'll plug them in there. And now we have Notre Dame and Baylor remaining. Obviously, Oklahoma's opponent cannot be Baylor. So we'll plug Notre Dame in. So we have a tremendous matchup between Oklahoma and Notre Dame and the Cotton Bowl. And Baylor goes to the Fiesta and another attractive matchup to play USC. So that's how it will operate in the first year at least. The old bowl selection committees, team selection committees, at least for our bowls, are out of business because we have now the teams being selected by the committee. But every year the playoffs will be different. And let's take a, let's take a look at the second year when the semifinals are at the Cotton. Well, that was college football playoff director Bill Hancock helping you get your master's degree in the brand new college football playoff. And AP, I think we just set the all-time show record for length of a soundbite. It was 15 minutes, but it was a one-time thing. And I thought so... Easily understandable, coming right from the head guy that we just simply had to play it in its entirety to, to get all our college football audience primed for uh, January. Yeah, I think it was the perfect clip, John, for our audience, because who, who better to have explained the process than the executive director, who I'm sure has practiced the speech many times before he appeared in Newport, Rhode Island. Exactly. And just to close out this segment, and you and I are going to talk a lot more about this and the American Athletic Conference Media Day after the break, but uh, I'll admit it. I myself have had trouble figuring it all out for this year, let alone for the kind of the next three years. And that's why I, you know, when I listened to Bill Hancock talk Tuesday morning, I thought, I finally get it. You know, I, I really finally understand it. And uh, and I thought everybody else would, too. That's why I played it, and hope you all enjoyed it. So we're going to take our break now, and AP, you and I are going to talk a lot more uh, uh, AAC and football on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. 
visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the third and today the final segment of all around sports i'm your host john inglesby and back on the line with us is ap stedham of bama magazine and before we uh dive in i want to say that my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the pro football hall of fame induction ceremony as well as the game itself the first football game of the year this sunday night and uh I was at the Hall of Fame in Canton for the first time in my life uh, four or five weeks ago. Loved it, as as I discussed on the show then. And uh, the Hall of Fame acceptance, induction acceptance speeches by these players, such as Aeneas Williams, uh, who I wrote a story on for the NFL Player Engagement website, uh, nflplayerengagement, one word, dot com, uh, shameless plug there, but... It's up there as we speak. Um, These speeches just get better and better every single year. I now consider it complete, total appointment viewing. So I'll be watching both tomorrow for the speeches and, of course, uh, have to tune into the game on Sunday just to get football officially underway. And AP, you like me, can't come soon enough, can it? Oh, yeah, football. I mean, (laughs) when when I smell somebody cutting grass, I get excited. (laughs) <laughs> like Forrest Gump down there in Alabama, right? <laughs> yeah, I can I can hear the thump of the football when they're kicking off, and the, the first crunch of uh, tackling on the on the return by the you know the defensive return team, and you know I just things that I always always imagine in my head what's going to happen, you know. So yeah, I can't wait. Well, good. We, we, we both have the same uh, sickness, as it were. Uh, that's exactly how I think. <laughs> I'm just out of better myself. And uh, yeah, well, we did get a nice introduction to football this week. We are both at uh, American Athletic Conference Media Days. Uh, that's how I introduced the show uh, right off the top today. And uh AP, I loved it. They had a new venue there in Newport, and uh, it was just spectacular. It's always been spectacular. But for me, this was my first year at the Clambake, which is right on the water. The whole thing was special. And then on Tuesday, the coaches talking, the players talking, Bill Hancock, of course, as we just listened to, talking. Uh, 
it, it really was uh, just a terrific two days. Uh, I don't know what more you could ask for for a couple of summer days here in New England than to be talking and, and feeling football uh, while being in Newport, Rhode Island in beautiful weather. It was really uh, spectacular. Yeah, John, it's a picturesque setting for the clam bake right on the water. You could see the bridge coming over to Newport and all the lights and the, the sun setting and, and there was a slight breeze and, and the way they, the unique way they, they actually, uh, you know, steamed the lobster and the clams and all the rest of the food and it was delicious and you got a chance to, to mingle with the coaches and the players and bowl representatives and, uh, you know, college football playoff people. So, yeah, it, it's fantastic. I, I enjoy it every year. Me too, and you know it was just really, uh, you know, so so filled with high level people. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, you know, I was, you know, you and I were spending time with you know, bull representatives, coaches, athletic directors. Uh, really, you, you know, just as good as it gets, and. I, one of my favorite parts was, of course, uh, as all listeners know, I just returned from some time in Europe, including a few days in Dublin, Ireland. I mentioned this on the show, but I uh, was able to give some intel, so to speak, to University of Central Florida uh, coach George O'Leary, who will be uh, uh, playing Notre Dame, or excuse me, Penn State. Uh, Notre Dame played there a couple years ago. Anyway, UCF, Penn State couple weeks in Dublin, Ireland. I got a lot of intel as I talked about it on the show. I was asking everybody who would listen, taxi drivers, man on the street, so to speak. I was able to give them a little notice about the big buzz in Dublin as of just a week, uh, as of just literally 10 days ago. Um, so it was great. They enjoyed hearing it. I enjoyed telling it. So uh, these are the types of people we were having the chance to talk to. George O'Leary, coach of Central Florida. So uh, good stuff. Yeah, you know, of course, they're very excited coming off that, that bowl victory, the Fiesta Bowl victory over the Big 12 champion Baylor. So, uh, you know, that's what the American Athletic Conference, I believe the theme of the day by Commissioner Michael Resco was we did some very good things, but we're not resting on our laurels. We're, we have a vision. We want to compete on the field, and that's where we're going to earn the respect, and we understand that premise, and they're not backing down from any challenges. They're out there trying to schedule teams from all the five power conferences, and they have a number of them this year. So let's see what's going to happen. And the American Athletic Conference, they, they want to be a player – and they want the want the Big Five to, to, to take notice of this uh, up and coming conference. You know, and I think they will. You know, I just think that uh, number one, they're led by Mike Oresco as commissioner, someone that both you and I think very highly of. He's already done what I consider to be amazing things. Next year, Navy joins the conference. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, to me, you know, when you add Navy, you, you just add a whole different aura and potential growth opportunity to the whole thing, to the whole conference. I mean, you talk about, you know, just the, the overall effect of 
the United States Naval Academy being in your conference and what that means on a global scale, I, I, I think is just going to be ultra exciting. And then you add in, you know, UConn, which draws from both Boston and New York. Obviously, the conference is headquartered in Providence, uh, always have been, going back to the days of Dave Gavitt in the Big East, and then in Temple in Philadelphia. A lot of these new teams, cities, you know, whether it be Memphis, Houston, SMU in Dallas, Tulane in New Orleans, uh, you know, so you have that built-in northeast base with Philly, Boston, New York, and then... You know, you you just throw in uh, some of these new exciting cities, Memphis, Houston, Dallas, Tulane. There's a lot to get excited about. There really is. Yeah, we we had a chance to speak to the new head coach at the University of Connecticut, Bob Diaco, energetic, uh, defensive-oriented coach. Uh, He's looking at all the levels of his football team, including the nutrition and and how the players are, are getting the proper uh, calories at the weight, you know, to continue their career and you know get better on the field. So he, he's a top recruiter. He was a defense coordinator at Notre Dame, and they have a, a very good schedule this year. You know, playing BYU and Boise State. You know, two teams known across the country. You know, they can win win some of those games. They're going to lend some credibility to not only the the program when it's starting off under a new coach, but the league as well. Yes, and AP, you were kind enough to introduce me to Bob, and uh, I could not have been more impressed. He just exudes energy, uh, clearly very smart and passionate, and just, you know, uh, conversing with him for just a couple of minutes was, uh, I was blown away. There is no other way to say it. Very, very impressive guy, and uh, uh, I think UConn has really good things to uh, lay ahead under his stewardship. And, yeah, I just think, again, so many exciting things, you know. And and as I was talking about TV ratings, let me just say, you know, one of the things I find fascinating about this, uh, I talked earlier about University of Central Florida based in Orlando. There is, of course, University of South Florida based in Tampa, both members of the conference. And, you know, we all know about the big three in Florida, Florida Gators, Florida State, last year's national champion, and Miami, and we all know their history. You know, the the big three of Florida, which has the best talent in the land, we all know that. Uh, but boy, you know, I look at Central Florida and Orlando and USF and, and Tampa, and number one, what it means to the American Athletic Conference for television ratings in football-crazed Florida, but also just the talent. There's so much talent there that if they just get the overflow, and believe me, they're doing a lot better than overflow when they get people like Blake Bortles comes <laughs> yeah. down the road from high school to attend Central Florida and then ends up with the number two pick, or excuse me, the, number, you know, the first quarterback chosen in the draft. I think he was a number two or three pick, but uh, you know, if I'm Mike Oresco sitting there or the AAC, you know, administrators, I'm loving those two teams in Florida because I just got the feeling that could be a gigantic growth area. And I think I also sense that those two teams are going to get really, really good. Obviously, Central Florida burst on the scene last year. You know, John, when you get those players from Florida and your roster is filled with players from the Sunshine State, they don't have any fear of competing against other teams. 
because well, that's a good they've point. been against top talent their, their entire high school career. So right away, that's an advantage. And they're used to playing fast and loose. And uh, I think that's that's a plus for the, for the American Athletic Conference. And not only do you say you have Central Florida, you have South Florida. You know, those are two big universities. And they, they play in nice, very, very nice stadiums. They're not playing any substandard stadium. Matter of fact, in Orlando, they're renovating that stadium down there. And uh, well, they have a new one, Bright House. You know, so everything is an upward uh, incline. You know, upward motion for those two schools, especially on their football field. Exactly, and you know, it's interesting. Like when I was down for Super Bowl week, when the Pittsburgh Steelers played the Arizona Cardinals in Tampa. The Steelers facility, the Steelers trained at the University of South Florida, so I went out there a couple times uh, for Mike Tomlin press conferences and the like and to watch the team train. And AP, I was completely blown away at the size of it, the scope of it, its its place, if you will, in the Tampa community. It's a big, big deal, to say the least. Right. And it's a big, big university, and I was just completely impressed. So... Uh, again, you know, unless you live down there, you may not understand how, you know, big these places are and what an impact they have on not only their local community, i.e. Tampa or Orlando in the case of UCF, but they also have, uh, you know, across the entire state, they're, you know, they're a big deal. Yeah, and the league, uh, John, has attracted two universities from uh, two of the states who adore football. I mean, Texas and Florida. Mm. I mean, outside of going to the Midwest or the state of California, where else would you want to have your teams be a part of that of a league than Texas and Florida? That's it. Right. Exactly. Obviously, Texas, California, Florida—the big three uh, states in high school football—and believe me, that's a real tough thing for a guy from Pennsylvania to say. <laughs> Because I grew up when uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio ruled high school football. We were the best two. There was no question. And even culminated every year in what was called the big, what is still called the Big 33 game. Right. Pennsylvania versus the top 33 players from Pennsylvania against the top 33 in Ohio. But I digress. And, uh, you know, it's just been the changing face of college football conference realignment. Yeah, we're still getting it all straight. I mean, I thought I had trouble getting the college football bowl playoff state, <laughs> playoff system straight. You know, I still don't have it all straight, and I'm not going to have it straight. And I, I got the feeling I have a lot of company until I start watching games this year, and they're going to say things like Rutgers is in the Big Ten and Maryland's <laughs> in the Big Ten, and that's and I'm going to be like, although I know it, <laughs> yeah. when I when you see it. It'll finally stick, I think, right, for everybody. Yeah. yeah, you're right, because to say Rutgers is in the Big Ten, if I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, oh, Michigan State has a non-conference game against Rutgers. Of course. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, I, I do follow it better, more than most, as do you. But, um, you know, I don't think I could ace the test right now on conference realignment, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> see, see me in October, yeah. if not December, on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's going to be weird. The, the prior conference, you mean, even though you know that uh, somebody like Maryland's going going to the Big uh, Big Ten, 
you're thinking, oh, that's a ACC team playing against a Big Ten team. Exactly. Absolutely. These, the the history on these, some of the rivalries that are, that disappear are just you know painful, quite frankly. But when it's all said and done, you know, and you just put it in, you know, good perspective of just talking about like the Florida high school players. I mean, this is important because I lived in Florida. I covered high school football. These kids that theoretically play for University of South Florida or Central Florida, they are the teammates and the opponents of the guys who are playing for the Gators, the Seminoles, and the Hurricanes. There is no fear. That's a great perspective. They have grew up with these kids. They've been playing them all their life, and there's no fear when they line up against them on, on a Saturday afternoon down there uh, or any other team for that matter. And it's the same in Texas, as you mentioned, with you know that great high school football played there. Um, so I, you know, with all the conference realignments and the the shake down, shake out of the Power Five and all that, you know. But I, I I'm just standing here staring at you know again the American Athletic Conference list of teams this year, knowing Navy's coming next year, and it's just a, a fascinating mix uh, with the geographic reach. I think. Yeah, and it's good for the other teams. They can recruit those areas and say, you know, uh, we'll be coming back to your hometown area uh, periodically. And, you know, for instance, you recruit somebody from Florida, and you might be down there twice in one year. Your family could see you play. Exactly right. And, you know, that just reminds me of, like, just some funny things that you and I saw, uh, which was, you know, for many of these guys – especially from out west, they had never been that far east in their lives. <laughs> Some of them, and this was, I, I just thought, hilarious, and one of the reasons I'm saying what I'm saying about the geographic reach and why I find it attractive. Some of the players had never seen a lobster in their life. Yeah, I would say live, but they weren't live. They they had just been cooked <laughs> in the clam bake and... Uh, they were red as red can be, as red as some of the faces of the players that have spent the day in the sun. And uh, yeah. But I just, I, I love that stuff, and I just found that fascinating. I mean, I, I heard a couple of different players saying it. They had never seen a lobster in their life, yeah. which obviously tells you they had never been to the East Coast. Maybe they had never been to the ocean, for gosh sakes. And yeah. I just enjoy stuff like that, and I, I just think that... Uh, this is the kind of stuff we have to look forward to, uh, you know, and, and equally, I'm guessing we have some players based here on the East Coast, UConn, Temple, maybe, that, you know, have never been to a rodeo, but they might get the one when they play Tulsa, right? <laughs> I was just saying so, right. So, yeah, those are some of the college experiences that people forget. They, everything becomes about money, and, uh, but these are experiences that they'll tell their grandchildren. Absolutely. Um... Well, AP, hard to believe. We've uh, already gotten to the end of the show, but it was a, gr- a great week, and it was great to have the opportunity to discuss uh, American Athletic Conference media days down there in Newport, Rhode Island, and also to treat our listeners to, you know, Bill Hancock's uh, explanation, if you will, history, whatnot, and what to look forward to with the new college football playoff system so thanks as always for your perspective and appreciate you calling in ap 
Oh, John, it's always my pleasure. I look forward to it again. Wonderful. And thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 